I would that you'd turn to page uh, or to the chapter 18 in the book of Luke. Chapter 18. I want to point out a few of the things in this chapter that will strengthen us, I trust, and will make us appreciate the greatness of being a Christian. In chapter 18, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was a city, in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my, mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. The message is, in this series that we're having, we're endeavoring to get people to be faithful, to be more energetic, more diligent in drawing close to the Lord. And this parable here is really emphasizing that that here is a lady that goes to a person who does not fear God, or he doesn't respect man. And yet because of the continuous effort that she made, just keeping on keeping on, the ungodly judge responded to her request. And he's saying, God will do greater things than that. So we ask, where is our faith? Where is our faith? When we look upon a harvest, the field of harvest that's white to be reaped, and yet if we haven't prayed and if we haven't been insistent on God helping us and blessing us and sharing the message with them, we can expect him to help us and to work through us through his gospel. It takes each and every one working diligently serving. And a congregation that's alive and is interested in people and reaching out to people, they're, they're interested in souls. They're interested in each other. They care for each other. And they want to help each other. They want to serve each other. And they want to serve the community in which they live. And it's very contagious. People understand when we care about them. People understand when we're concerned about their soul and they're knowing the truth. And an individual who is trained in the scriptures, 
to sit down and to go through the Old Testament and the New and show how Christ was the silver cord reaches from the Old Testament into the New and that it illuminates in the New as the Christ who's anointed for each one of us. And if we can be skilled in that by sharing it with people, this is the convincing message. And we need to ask God to help us. He spake another parable. And a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I don't know whether you ever catch yourself in that position or not. But if you despise someone and you think you have it made and you think you have the answer, you need to listen to this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Now the Pharisee believed in angels. The Pharisee believed in the resurrection. The Pharisee believed in the unseen world. But at the same time, he didn't have faith to be interested in people who were going to be people of the unseen world. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners. That means twisting out of people that which doesn't belong to them, dishonest, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, he drew the conclusion. He became critical. He became complaining, condemning. He became boastful. The next passage says, I, find, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Watch it. This is what God loves. This is what God is looking for. The humility, the brokenness, that we ought to have to take to him that we might be healed. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. That means brought down low, exposed for what he really is. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The broken person, the humble person, the person dependent upon God. And they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them, but when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now that's the kind of a person we don't want to be. Not any time for children, not any time for those people who make up the kingdom of God. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Allow little children. Suffer means to allow. 
Allow little children to come unto me and stop forbidding them. They were. The original language shows they were stopping them. Stop forbidding them to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. What a wonderful insight into how we ought to act. He said, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Now a little child receives the presence of God like he was teaching it in the, this particular teaching, like the lady who insisted that God bless her, and he did. And like the humble person that insisted that God just give him mercy. And then a certain ruler asked him, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Sort of appeal to him. He wanted that life forever. He wanted that kingdom of God. He wanted that existence. That Pharisee believed in the existence of angels and of the people after the resurrection. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one. That is God. Then he names five commandments. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he responded and he said, All these I've kept from my youth up. The bar mitzvah, 13, as a Jew, to show that you are on your own, that you're responsible. As a Jew, he was referring back to that moment when they celebrated that. He was able to make responsible decisions, and he'd kept the law ever since then. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Now I want that to stick with you because I want you to ask the question, What do I lack yet in my life? And if you're honest and you give yourself a good inventory, you take good inventory of your thoughts, this lesson will be profitable. Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor. Wasn't only to sell all that he had, but it was to give it to the poor. And then he said, what happens when you do that? You're going to have treasures in heaven. You're going to have treasures in heaven. Now that call for that young man to have faith 
A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe that. This young man didn't believe it. But Jesus, it's impossible for him to lie. And he said that when a person gives and he helps people with that, that he has treasures in heaven. And then he gave the invitation to come and be an apostle. Come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. For he was very rich. Luke says, very rich. I like what he says. He was very rich. Mark 10. And in Matthew 19, he had great possessions. But when Luke puts his, puts his individual touch and his human touch on it, he said he's very rich. Well, he was rich in this world's goods, but he wasn't rich in heaven. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. But you know what he said in Matthew 19 and in Mark 10? He said, how difficult it is for those who trust in riches. Now he didn't mention the second commandment. But that's the one that he was not keeping. He had an image that he worshipped. And that image was money. It was wealth. It was prosperity. And that image became or came between him and serving Jesus. I don't know where you are. And I wouldn't advocate that you give 10% today in a legalistic way to think that would save you. God doesn't want your money in a legalistic way because that act saves you. He wants your heart. He wants your dedication. He wants your vision for a walk with him. He wants your faith that sees him working and his working with man with your full confidence that he's in control and that you're ready to be a worker with him. And that's what he teaches. He never teaches people that they can be saved keeping legalistic commands just because they keep them. In the New Testament, it is to give your heart to Jesus. And whatever you have, you dedicate it to him. 25th verse says it's for easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, a lot of people said in the medieval times, 
they got it out that there was an eye of a needle that a camel could get through uh, on his knees. And that was just a, a fable. That was just a story that was told. In the Koran, they talk about an elephant getting through. They use the term. But this is just a hyperbolic statement. It's just an exaggerated statement that it's impossible for a person to please God if he trusts in riches and in prosperity. I was talking to a preacher who's making a preacher this week, last week now, and I said, well, why are you training and why are you trying to have another profession? Because well, if you're going to preach and, and you know the scriptures and you're studying, why don't you just give yourself to that? And he said, well, the church doesn't support you. I said, what do you mean it doesn't support you? I said, you prepare yourself and people will support you. If it's the church, it'll support you. He said, no, they don't. I said, the church I preached for, said they paid $500 for a celebration that we had and said they, they don't pay me anything hardly. I said, well, we need, we need to teach them. I said, I agree with you that, that people have been taught. But I said, that's your job. That's your job to teach them. You know, when we just think that God said in the Old Testament, the end of it, He's always had this to have to deal with people. They came back from Babylonian captivity. And, and God paved the way. God paved the way by taking the Persian government, the foreign governments, and touching the hearts of the rulers. And they're taking tax money from all the people, and they paved the way for the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. God can do it. And when they got back, God just opened up things and let them get their crops and get things going. And you know what they did? In Malachi, he said, he said, say, you have holes in your sacks. And he said, you've been prospering and I prospered you. And you've forgotten what I've done for you. He said, you've taken... You take, you take the old sick animals and you bring them and give them to me. And he said, it just makes me sick. He said, it makes me sick. It, 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 he talked like somebody smelling a bad odor in Malachi. He said, let me, let me explain to you. You just bring in the tithes and offerings Well, he said, you've robbed me. And they said, oh, no, no, we haven't robbed you. He said, yeah, you've robbed me. He said, how have we robbed you? He said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then he said, here's your sick animals, and you give them, and you don't give the, the best of the flock. Now, he said, I'll make a deal with you. He said, you just bring in the tithes and offerings. Now, he didn't want them just to do that so that little thing would work some magical thing in there. 
But he wanted them to do that to show that they were in, in, that they believed in him. And he said, if you do that, he said, I'll just open the windows of heaven and just pour out a blessing that you can't even receive it. You know, we never read that passage. We never teach it. We're afraid to teach it. We're timid Timothys. Somebody say, well, that's all a person preaches on the money. He just wants the money. Hey, no servant wants the money. He may want to be encouraged and he may want to live decent so that he can do the things that need to be done for the Lord. But money is not an idol for the person who's worshiping God. You know, in Corinthians, Paul writes to the rich people there. And he said, you know, I want to tell you something about the people at Philippi. They just opened up their hearts and they just gave beyond what they were able. They're the only congregation that ever gave me anything anyway. From the very beginning, they gave me something. They haven't ceased. He said the first thing that they did, they gave themselves. You know, when you have people in the church that give themselves, you don't have to worry about them giving a contribution. They're going to sacrifice. They're not going to be criticizing, complaining, and condemning. They're going to be working together with God. And he told those people, he said, I'm writing you this so that you'll just take up a contribution for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he didn't do that to support the preacher. He did that to, for the poor people there. Try to bring the Jew and Gentile together. It was all his idea. But he said, He that supplies bread for food and seed for sowing is able to supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness that you may be able to abound unto every good work. I told that to an elder one time. He's going to write $176,000 for a piece of land. And, and we were having a hard time in the church. And I said, you know, are you giving like you should? Oh, he said, I don't, I don't know. I said, you ought to think about it. I said, I'm glad you can buy that land. And I'm glad you can prosper. But I want to tell you about this passage. And I quoted that passage. I just memorized that passage. And he said, well, man, you'd make infidels. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when you quote that passage and say that people will be prospered if they give, he said, and if, they, if they're not prospered, he said, you'd make an infidel. I said, God quoted that passage. That's an Old Testament passage. And Paul repeated it in the New Testament. You're telling me that God makes infidels because he tells them he's going to be with them and he's going to prosper them? Or are you just covetous and you just don't want to give? Well, you know, I didn't make a friend. But he was my friend. He, he thanked me and, and he learned to give. And we need to understand 
that God is great and God can help. Now, what lack I yet? What lack I yet? It may not be giving that you lack. It may be not giving yourself. But let me tell you, if you're failing to give as you're prospered, you're failing to listen to the Scriptures. And I just soon not listen, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, as not to listen to God in other things that he says. But a person's not going to be saved if he is, doesn't believe and is baptized into Christ. We believe that and we teach that. Well, how about when God prospers you and God helps you? We have a gospel. We have a good news to tell people. When you become a member of the body of Christ, you're with a bunch of, with a bunch of soldiers that's working for the Lord. And we work together. And we encourage each other. And we build each other up. And we pray for each other. And we help each other. And we reach out to help others. May God help you to take this lesson. You know, at the end of this, Peter said, Lord, you bother me. You bother me. If a person who prospers like that guy can't go to heaven, who can? He said, well, with God, all things are possible. But he said, you left lands and houses and all these things and follow me. He said, don't worry about it, Peter. Don't worry about it. Because you're going to be given eternal life. And you're going to be given a hundredfold here. You know what that is? That's a thousand percent. Now the payday, payday may not be in October. But you can just rest assured that God is going to be with you. He's never let anybody down. He told the widow, he said, you just, he said, she's an example. She just kept persisting and said, that old wicked king, that old ungodly judge, listen to her. He said, do you think I'm not going to listen to you? God will help us. God will bring us through. May God help us and may, may God help you to key in and ask yourself the question, what lack I yet? Do we lack dedication to God, to Christ? Do we lack esteeming others better than ourselves? You know, that, that's one of the things that Paul just really wrote to the Philippian brethren. He said, oh, I know you're having trouble. I know you're having trouble in the first chapter. You're having trouble. He said, I might even lose my life if these people are, are just fighting over things. And he said, I, I may just depart and be with Christ any time. But he said, is there some that are preaching out of feuding and envy and hate? I may even get killed. The second chapter, he says what? What do all things that murmuring and disputing that you may be harmless and blameless the sons of God in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation for whom you shine as lights? For it is God. It is God who works in you, both willing to do of his good pleasure. That's God is with you. In the third chapter, 
Oh, they were just fussing and feuding over circumcision. He said, I forget the thing. In the past, I look forward to Christ. The fourth chapter, there's two, two women fussing, feuding. He said, man, Christ is near. You need to pray. And you can do everything through Christ who strengthens you, and God will supply all of your needs. Isn't that wonderful? That's the gospel. We need to be converted to Christ, to his presence, to his help. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you know, you can become a Christian by believing and confessing Christ before men. can be baptized into his name and into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and become a member of the living body of Christ. You can rise to serve him the rest of your days and live throughout eternity. And if you haven't lived close to him, now's the time to call to come to him and let him come into your heart and life and bless you as we stand together and sing.